Welcome back to Sex Care is Self-Care. I'm Patty Brisbane, and I'm joined here today by Dr. Christina Vaccaro and also Dr. Cheryl Iglesias, members of our PBF Advisory Board. This is, for me, going to be a fun one. We're here to discuss one of my favorite topics, and I'm sure one of yours too, the C-spot. Dr. Vaccaro and Dr. Iglesias, can you give us a little information about yourself for those who are tuning in for the first time? Thanks, Patty. Hello, everyone. My name is Dr. Christine Vaccaro, and I'm fellowship trained and double board certified in female pelvic medicine and reconstructive surgery, as well as obstetrics and gynecology. I'm also a fellowship director for the Female Pelvic Medicine and Reconstructive Surgery Fellowship and an associate professor of obstetrics and gynecology in Bethesda, Maryland. And really happy to be here. This is one of my favorite topics, as you know, Patty. I know. Sherelle? Good morning, Christine and Patty. So nice to be here. I'm Sherelle Iglesia, and I'm also a double board certified OBGYN in female pelvic medicine uh, and reconstructive surgeon, pelvic reconstructive surgeon. I um, am professor of OBGYN and neurology. Uh, for Georgetown University School of Medicine. And I direct the National Center for Advanced Pelvic Surgery for MedStar Health in Washington, DC. Thanks for inviting me, Patty. Thank you so much, both of you for being here. Okay, Dr. Vaccaro, I'm gonna start with you here today. And I know that you and I have had um, lots of conversations about what we refer here as the G-spot. And on many occasions, you've made me understand that it's a lot more than just the G-spot. I kind of, I love the name. I love the C-spot. I love what is called the clitoral complex. It just sounds like a happy place to live. (laughs) But before we go there, can you tell me and tell our listeners about the G-spot and and when, how was it founded? And tell us a little bit about the story. Thanks, Patty. I think this is really fascinating, actually. Um, and before modern imaging technologies, really female sexual anatomy was a mystery. Uh, mystery to women, mystery to physicians, mystery to everyone, um, including the, the women's partners. But now we have multiple publications that describe this intricate anatomy um, using cadaver dissections and advanced imaging. Um, and this, this term, clitoral urethral complex, Um, has developed because of the close proximity of the two structures. It's also called just the clitoral complex for simplicity, but the closeness of the structures, the clitoris and urethra sometimes lead to this term. Um, And, you know, for historical purposes and scientific literature, um, Dr. Ernest Grafenberg, a German-born physician, um, published his infamous paper in 1950, and it was titled The Role of the Urethra in Female Orgasm. In this paper, um, he described, and I quote, an erotic zone that could always be demonstrated on the anterior wall of the vagina along the course of the urethra. And it wasn't until about 30 years later um, that another paper was published by senior author, Dr. Beverly Whipple, and she kind of coined the term G-spot, giving credit to Dr. Grafenberg's initial description. And of course, as you know, the world has not been the same since. This term is now everywhere. (laughs) books, magazines, blogs, um, but it is not as prevalent in the scientific literature 
um, if you do search for this term in scientific literature, it's most of the publications are discussing just the plausibility of its existence. Um, so here I am in the early 2000s, uh, training to be a female pelvic medicine reconstructive surgeon. Um, and these things weren't taught to me in medical school, um, nor in my residency training. And it wasn't until my fellowship um, that I questioned the term and what the annex, anatomic structures really could be that contributed to this erotic zone. And honestly, in an attempt to just demystify the term and shed some more science to this spot, um, I opened up an anatomy text and could only find the glands in the hood. Um, and in fact, the glands and hood were the only um, references to, in most human anatomy textbooks in the past couple decades. Um, and there was nothing that I could see in any anatomic text on the anterior surface of the vagina. So I did what most doctors do. I see if there's anything um, in the literature, not in textbooks, because there's quite a delay in textbooks and what's in the literature. And I stumbled upon um, a publication by two anatomists, Dr. John DeLancey, he's an American urogynecologist, and Dr. Helen O'Connell, an Australian urologist. And here it was, they intricately described the clitoral urethral complex using high resolution imaging. Um, and that's when the light bulb went off for me. The G-spot really is just the clitoris, um, specifically the structures that we can't see, the clitoral body, the paired cura, and the bulbs, which we'll get into details about later. But to be clear, I, I personally don't believe that the urethra has any excitatory properties. Um, it just lies in very close proximity to the internal clitoral structures, so the body and the bulb. Um, thus, it can be easily stimulated through the urethra. So now when I'm, when I'm discussing this with my trainees and educating them, I loosely refer to the term as the C-spot just so they can make that uh, mental leap from recognizing the anatomic structures for which the pleasure derives which is in fact the internal components of the clitoris, which actually makes complete scientific sense. So I'll pass it back to you. Okay, this is, this is amazing, but I know there's gotta be more to this. So Dr. Inglacius, when was it that doctors started questioning and when they determined that we needed more research? Can you give us a little bit of information there? Well, I think that historically speaking and a lot of the textbooks, we always referred to the female genital parts as omlaga or vestiges of male parts. <laughs> you know, men have penises and balls and they were just sort of limiting it to the small teeny tiny button or the clitoral glands. And that seemed, and really didn't talk a lot about the nerves and the blood vessels and the really, the three components that make up the clitoral complex, which is not just that button, which is maybe uh, two, two centimeters, but the body that can go with it, behind it, under the hood, and the two legs, what we call crus or crura. And it's important to understand that this structure, which is really a three-dimensional um, organ, can have significant nerves, highly innervated, and a lot of blood flow. Important because when a woman gets aroused, these structures can engorge anywhere from 50 to 300%. I mean, the legs themselves are like 
four centimeters, but they can go up to nine centimeters. And this has been proven on MRI um, when women have been aroused by watching, you know, erotic videos and then, you know, getting that MRI at, 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 that, at the time of arousal afterwards. And I think that we have a better understanding of the neuroanatomy now and the nerve transmitters that are involved in the sexual response. Um, and the fact that the pudendal nerve, which is the main nerve that supplies the clitoris, it has basically three somatic branches, one that goes to the clitoris, one that goes to the sphincter of the urethra, and one that goes to the sphincter of the anus. But is that, that nerve is extremely important. Um, and sometimes after surgeries or after childbirth, sometimes that nerve can get um, irritated or can be crushed and think those things can affect response. But the bottom line is, this is much more complex than what was previously known. And I think a lot of the neuroimaging, functional MRI, and um, um, even the, the MRI of the uh, vulva and the vagina have significantly improved our understanding of the clitoral complex. Wow, this is very interesting. Okay. Let me ask you, Dr. Vaccaro, okay. how much of the clitoral complex is internal? So we know it's not the little small button. So how much of it now is internal? That is a great question. Again, um, a lot of this lies deep to the skin, so deep to the surface. So I like to think of the external invisible part as the glands or the tip of an iceberg, pun intended, the tip, um, and everything else is just beneath the surface. So basically, if you just peel back, peel back the skin, a lot of it exposed, and then a lot of it's exposed um, even deeper than that. So again, like Dr. Iglesia mentioned, you know, in total, it can measure eight to nine centimeters, not engorged, and then obviously can engorge to be much larger than that. This blows most people's minds because again, they're only familiar with the external component. Um, so medical professionals and non-medical professionals alone are usually kind of shocked that there's more than what just meets the eye there. Um, and we as a society are pretty poor at discussing and exploring female sexual anatomy. Um, this information is still not common knowledge, so hopefully through this podcast, it'll be, have more of an impact. Um, and sadly, it's not really taught in medical schools very well either. This is starting to shift, and I know that there's some places that are starting to teach it more, but um, it's still not well-known. Um, I would like to take this opportunity, though, to just quickly um, share my screen. Hopefully, this will work for everyone. So now I'm sharing my screen, just showing a nice illustration, a very simplified illustration of the clitoral complex. Um, you can see kind of here in the right-hand um, corner the external components outlined in black. So you have the glands, the hood, um, the labia minora, the vagina, and the urethra. And then this, this is the full clitoral complex, though, um, when you go just a little bit deeper. So we have the glands again with the hood here, the body, which um, kind of is like a little bit of a boomerang shape, and then the paired cura. Um, and again, as Dr. Gleason mentioned, cura just means legs. Um, and then you have the, the clitoral bulb, sometimes called vestibular bulbs, sometimes called clitoral bulbs. Um, and you can see how they... Um, just literally drape over the urethra and vagina, both the bulbs and, um, and the cura. So I'm gonna scroll down and show you one other picture. So this is now a cross section of the female pelvis. Um, so we have the, the pubic bone and the belly button would be up this way. 
um, with the urethra and bladder, the opening here of the vagina with uterus and cervix and the rectum. And you can see here how the clitoral um, complex lays. So you have the glands here and then the body again is just this kind of boomerang shaped structure. And then this is just one leg. Um, the other leg would be coming out this way, draping around the urethra and vagina. And then you can see the clitoral bulb here, which also is um, around the urethra and vagina. So hopefully you can see how intricate and kind of um, entwined the clitoral complex is within the, within the female pelvis. Basically this for me, and hopefully for you too, this kind of validates Dr. Grafenberg's claims with we know what we know about human embryology to prove that the internal clitoris, namely the, the body bulbs and possibly part of the crura, are the structures responsible for these erotic and pleasurable sensations. Back to you, Patty. Okay, well, let me ask you this, Dr. Inglacius. Is the erotic zone on the anterior wall of the vagina a network of nerves throughout the clitoral complex? Mm -hmm. Okay, yeah, I think we need a little lesson in neuroanatomy. And I love the fact that you said um, erotic zone. Because I think when we use words like C spot or the G or the G spot or, or even the A spot, apparently there's an A spot too along the anterior fornix. I think that's just limiting us. We really need to understand that these are zones. <laughs> so I like to refer to them as erogenous zones. And so we need to understand that when women get aroused. Now this may take a few seconds or it may take a few minutes, you know. Um, there is initially the brain, which is your biggest sex organ, is going to release pleasurable hormones <laughs> and nerve transmitters to bring blood flow to the region. And you have some you have some like nitric oxide working for you and uh, VIP, vasoactive intestinal peptides working for you to increase the flow. And that's important because we have some dorsal um, nerves uh, and arteries um, to bring blood flow to the clitoral complex. Then when aroused and with touching, you get that sensation that travels through sensory nerves. These sensory nerves are also pudendal driven and they go alongside the spinal cord to go up to the pons and then deep in the pelvis to give that somatosensory in your cortex pleasurable sensation. So it's important that you have these intact blood flow as well as nerves not just for sensation, but it's a two-way street. You know, blood, uh, blood flow and nerve transmitters and nerves being stimulated going down, but then the sensation going back up to the brain to give you that pleasurable sensation and orgasm if it's gonna happen. So I think that it's important to, that when we are operating this area, and I'm really concerned about people who are getting labiaplasties and vaginal and vulva rejuvenations that people really aren't understanding that you can do some significant, significant uh, damage to both the nerves and um, the blood flow to these this very critical structure, which has a lot of components. And I know that this is very big on med Twitter, where people have had clitoral hood reductions and potentially surgery to expose the clitoris, but in so doing, you can actually damage it. 
And so that is important to understand because I know there's a lot of people out there who are waxing and shaving and looking like it doesn't look right or someone says that your lips are too big. You gotta be careful um, when seeking that kind of surgical repair um, that you're not damaging that intricate blood flow, particularly if you're really young. I think this is all very interesting. I think this is great that we're having this conversation because I think what happens here is you've put the warning out there. You've put kind of like the yield sign, like think about this before you do it. And I think that, you know, everybody has to make their decisions based on what they feel is right for them. Um, but I certainly love being able to give that yield sign so people stop and think before they do something that could pose a problem down the road. Okay, here is a crazy question. It's kind of silly, but I just am going to ask because I'm sure that maybe a lot of people that are listening are wondering this themselves. Is the clitoris similar to the penis, Dr. Vaccaro? Patty, you know, that's one of my favorite topics. Um, and yes, they, they are very similar, but there are differences. So the most notable differences are people, things people can obviously guess. The clitoris is smaller. It's mostly internal or beneath the skin surface um, when compared to the larger external penis. Um, additionally, the urethra runs through the penis instead of under it next to it for the clitoris. Um, but importantly, during development in the womb, all humans begin with the same or what we call undifferentiated sex organs. And it's not until 10 weeks in, of gestation of development with the absence or presence of testosterone that these structures change or differentiate into the clitoris or the penis respectively. So again, the most notable differences are the size and location inside or outside, but they, came, they come from the same embryologic tissue. Um, now I do have to mention my most favorite difference between the clitoris and the penis, and that is the clitoris only has one function and its only function is pleasure. There is no other function to the clitoris as opposed to the penis, which can be for urination and fertilization, though also for pleasure. But literally the, the clitoris's only purpose is for sexual pleasure. Back to you, Patty. That's, that's, I like that. Which we should have something for us. Just <laughs> right. one thing, and that's great, I'll take that. Mm -hmm. uh, Dr. Iglesias, is it true that most women need direct, direct clitoral stimulation to achieve an orgasm? Patty, I would say that is true. In 99, probably percent of women, the, the clitoris is, is the key point, component um, for achieving orgasm. And that's based on um, the, the, the direct innervation. As I was talking about the dorsal nerve um, to the clitoris, the sensation that travels through those same S234 nerves back to your dorsal root ganglion um, to give that signal back up to the brain, the thalamus, the somatosensory cortex, and then you, you have your blood flow that's going and you get basically not, not really an ejaculation, but there's a transudative process where she showed you the vestibular bulb, but there's other glands along the urethra um, and in the vagina um, that that do get engorged and they develop a transudate. They're not really squirting, but you get moisture. And um, it is important that we understand that as you age, there may be some changes that occur at the hood. Um, 
Sometimes with the lack of estrogen, the clitoris can get buried. There are also certain um, skin conditions, one of which is lichen sclerosis is an autoimmune skin condition that can close over the clitoris. And of course, and I know that you and Dr. Vakar are gonna be talking about genital mutilation where people have had some injuries, direct injuries to the, to the uh, glands and possibly the body of the clitoris. But that clitoris, as I said, is extremely important because it is gets engorged, um, that sense of sensation that we need for the pleasure um, and you can achieve orgasm. Now, there are some women who have very much, they say that they're the G spots and the um, A spots. And when they undergo surgery, like some who have undergone um, hysterectomies, um, they said that their sexual response is not the same. And so that may be true um, that orgasm is different um, because after when you orgasm, you get such an intense muscular um, contractions, sometimes along the uterus, sometimes along the vaginal muscles, um, the levator muscle complex, and it, that may change. And so I don't necessarily say that that's wrong, but I just think that most people, um, uh, stimulation at the clitoris can help with orgasm. And as you age, you might need more stimulation um, just because of some small nerve damage and blood flow changes. And that may need to be enhanced with things like vibrators, um, more foreplay. Um, I think that's the best piece of advice that you can give to anybody um, with a partner. You know, the foreplay and um, the action on the clitoris itself. <laughs> Yeah, I, you know, I think sometimes people do forget about how important that foreplay is because, you know, they just want to go right to it, get the job done, move on to something else. And foreplay is very important. Uh, that's a whole nother topic down the road. Um, okay, for our listeners out there, I know many times that our consultants uh, or even women going to see their physicians, they will say, where, where is that spot at? I love the clitoral complex. I, I love the erogenous, knowing it is an erogenous zone area. Um, but how is it that you find this? You you know where to find it? Can you, can you help out in that department? Yeah, Patty, first I think um, it's really important for women and men to review just the anatomic resources, the ones especially that are available on the PBF website. Um, and then it's time for a little self-exploration. Um, toys are optional, encouraged, but sometimes women are a little overwhelmed by that. So it's really what they feel comfortable with doing. Um, you know, and again, this complex, these zones, it all is about exploration. Um, for the, for the, I'll quote, quote, G-spot, um, or again, I like to call it the C-spot, but you to feel that really you need to lie down and insert a finger about one centimeter inside the vagina. Again, it's right, um, right underneath the urethra. Um, you should feel a pleasurable sensation with stimulation. Um, sometimes it's discussed like this come here motion with the finger, milking it forward a little bit. Um, but a lot of women, I wanna be clear, prefer just external stimulation and, and not the G-spot. So again, it's just trying to figure out what works for you. There are different, various different lubricants and arousal gels and heighteners that can be used here to help find or enhance the stimulation. Um, 
and there's various toys again that are that are engineered to stimulate um, the the internal clitoris. So those are called G-spot toys. Um, and then there's ones that stimulate the external clitoris, clitoral vibrators, and then sometimes they come together. Bonus, okay. Uh, so it really depends on what feels good for the woman and what kind of extra toy, if she likes that, that she wants to use. Um, but the most important advice I can give is just get comfortable with your body, get comfortable exploring what makes you feel good. It's your body, it's not dirty, it's, it's yours. Um, so get to know it, sit with yourself, explore you and do you. Um, and that's, you know, my best advice. Um, you know, and again, just to hammer home the point, some people don't prefer, they don't really love the G-spot and how it makes them feel. So again, it's okay um, if you're not a G-spot lover and you prefer external stimulation, that's good information for you to have. Um, and then once you know that, you can tell your partner what makes you feel good because you know. Um, unfortunately, um, as myself and Dr. Glacius see, we see women that, that have never had orgasm in their lifetime, and that can happen in up to 11% of women. If this was a male problem, it would be highlighted all over the news constantly, um, but it kind of lives silently. Um, and women, I think, sometimes are ashamed to admit this or talk to their doctor about this. Um, and part of this is, is, again, not understanding their bodies, not feeling comfortable, either because of cultural issues or just um, how they were raised. Um, but, and or some women just want their husband, they want to rely on their husband to help, help them figure it out. Um, but I would, again, encourage women to do this work mostly on their own, um, figure it out on their own first, and then work, work your partner into it. Um, because, again, you must explore yourself first and then add in your partner. Um, those are amazing words because it is, it's about giving yourself permission to explore your body. And that's one of the things that I got to say that we encourage every woman to do is don't be, don't be ashamed, just explore your body. So then you can, you know what you like, and you can also, um, tell your partner what it is that you enjoy. And I think that that in itself is, it, it's so important. Um, finally, the PBF has incredible anatomy resources. How important is it to know your anatomy and how it functions? I think, again, knowledge is so powerful. Knowledge is power. And we've heard that. Um, and I'm just, get, again, very honored to be on this podcast because I'm very passionate, pun intended, about this subject, about educating women um, on understanding their own anatomy. And again, uh, using accurate and scientific illustrations and information, I think, is really critical. Demystifying what these spots and zones are and really just trying to be um, forthcoming with women. So I do, I'm going to attempt to share my screen one more time um, just so everyone can see um, another um, resource for women on the PBF site. Um, so this illustration here is um, really nice because on one side it shows the external uh, vulva and then on the other side again the, the skin and some of the tissues are removed to see the internal clitoral components. So just to walk you through it one more time, so externally we have the glands and then the hood, um, the labia majora and then the labia minora and then the opening to the vagina called the vestibule. 
So again, if you just peel back these layers underneath that, you'll find the internal components of the clitoris. Again, the, the body, which is a little boomerang shaped structure, the root, which is sort of um, alluded to as one of the most sensitive portions of the clitoris. Um, and then again, the, the paired legs called the crura and the paired um, bulb. So I think this is a really nice illustration to help kind of conceptualize where things are. I'm gonna go ahead and stop sharing. Um, and and I'll, I will pass it back to, to Dr. Blaise. Though I do wanna just say one, one final thing, which is, you know, I think the term G-spot may never actually go away, but I love, um, Patty, that you on this podcast called it the C-spot, just to forever hopefully make that mental connection that all of these clitoral structures, zones, et cetera, are integral to the sexual response and not some elusive or mysterious area that women um, have difficulty finding. Um, and furthermore, most women need some form of clitoral stimulation as, as Dr. Glacia discussed, either externally, internally, or both to achieve orgasm. Because every woman is so different and self-exploration is ultimately the, the most critical thing a woman can do, I would say to women just get to it ladies, figure it out, find out for yourself. Um, and for men, most men will say that there's nothing more sexier than a woman who knows what they like in the bedroom or wherever they like to enjoy sex. Dr. Glacey, I'll okay. it to you. Well, uh, such pearls of wisdom. Um, I'm definitely pro-masturbation and really a big fan of Betty Dodson who kind of wrote that book on sex with one. I think we should probably just do a podcast on masturbation and how to do it um, because that is extremely important, um, as you were saying, uh, Christine, about self-exploration. And so when I say zone, whether it be the C spot and then, you know, inside along the anterior vagina, the G spot, that's really a zone for me because they're connected. Um, and so what I want to say is that a lot of people, heterosexual couples, you know, they who haven't achieved orgasm, they're thinking they can get orgasm just through penetration. And I just say that that is very, very, that's a myth. <laughs> Most people need that clitoral stimulation. Therefore, there are devices that are specific to the clitoris, but there are devices that are C-shaped, rabbits, et cetera, that can stimulate both spots. The whole zone is what I would say. But I think that, that that kind of information needs to be um, shared with men and women. Um, when we talk about sex, when we talk about self-pleasuring, I think that you know, it's become such a dirty kind of a conversation. And this is normal and natural and the anatomy needs to be understood so that you can maximize the potential <laughs> during any type of sexual experience whether it be with someone else um, or alone. I, I, you know what, I couldn't agree more. I, it, these are all amazing, great points. And, you know, one of the things that I try to encourage women to not feel ashamed about using a bedroom toy while you're, if you're penetrating, being penetrated, you know, whatever it is, because it's very hard to, have that sensation without the clitoral stimulation. And sometimes we need that. And so add that little bit of vibration. And I'm so glad you gave women so much permission here today on 
you know, masturbation. And we will do a podcast on that, by the way. Uh, you, cheers to that one. Um, Dr. Vaccaro and Dr. Iglesias, thank you for a great conversation here today. For more information on the Patty Brisbane Foundation for Women's Sexual Health, our six focus areas, uh, to download our sexual anatomy one-on-one resources, visit thepattybrisbanefoundation.org. Remember, sex care is self-care and sexual health matters.